It's 4 o'clock in Los Angeles, 6 o'clock in Chicago, the Windy City, and it's 7 p.m. here in the Big Apple. Well, hello, everybody. This is Mad Dog DeCipio, joined as I am each and every week by the mouth of the South herself, <laughs> Amelia Pipple Chapman, and tonight on the record with film director Glenn Martin. Glenn, how are you, young man? I'm doing good. We have one hell of a show tonight, though. He promised an all-star cast. Well, I will tell you, Glenn Martin did deliver. <laughs> Uh, I will introduce our guests one by one tonight, and then we'll get into the man of the hour. How about that? From all the way from the Netherlands, one of my favorite <laughs> actors. He can do pretty much everything, this guy. Michael Perret is uh, the star of both Eddie and the Cruiser films, Streets of Fire, the Philadelphia Experiment, my favorite aviation film, Mayday. I love that movie. The Virgin <laughs> Suicide and his new film, Wrongful Death. Michael, welcome to What's the Buzz. Hey, good to see you, Mad Dog. It's been a long time. Good to see everybody. I'll tell everybody for the record, and you can check it out yourself. I actually had a little part in Eddie and the Cruisers, the first one. There's a scene at the Tony Mart where I'm dancing as part of a conga line. I'm I'm person number two in the conga line. (laughs) Uncredited, of course. Oh, I was going to say, I thought I'd be called in the scroll. <laughs> right, right. Beverly Randolph is with us. Hi, Beverly hi. is the star of Best Known for Return of the Living Dead and Freaks of Nature. She also starred in Death House and Glenn Martin's new film, The Searching. Beverly, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. I am uh, anxious to talk to you later on about this strange dichotomy called uh, sacred grounds forbidden where did it go why why do i see it but i don't see it well we're getting there (laughs) i'll I'll talk to you later about that one okay yeah uh jennifer banco aloha hello jen how are you kid i'm good how are you guys i'm wonderful i'm wonderful let me tell everybody about jen jen is best known for friday the 13th part seven the new blood and leatherface the texas chainsaw massacre a film near and dear to the pitbull's heart i think it took place in her backyard as well did that uh, am i right about that pitbull yeah it's in texas yes i'm from west texas area Mm mm-hmm all right, Brian Saponis. Brian is here. He's an imposing, good-looking figure. I'm almost intimidated to introduce him. <laughs> Brian has two upcoming films, Cabrini and Wolf Hollow. He is also, uh, I believe they made you an honorary member of the South Jersey Horror Podcast. Yeah. Um, so, I look, you're in good company, brother. There you're you in go. Good company. Um, we're going to talk about why Glenn Mil- uh, Glenn, Glenn Martin likes to typecast you as uh, mean, imposing, hairy <laughs> Bigfoot Sasquatches. No idea. We're going to find out. Uh, and, of course, our guest of honor, Mr. Glenn Martin. Yeah. Glenn. My friend Glenn. <laughs> there he is. Hot in the yeah. Glenn, let me tell a little bit about Glenn Martin here, and we'll talk to everybody. we got a lot to cover tonight. It's going to be a, a really good show. Glenn Martin has achieved cult status with such films as Camp Out, Cemeteries, Curse of the Hanging Judge, When Night Comes, 
The Searching and in the Shadows. He's my special guest, and joining him tonight is the principal <laughs> guest of his latest two films. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Glenn Martin. How are you, my friend? Good. How you guys? How you guys doing out there? Good to see you, Glenn. Yeah, yeah. always good to see you guys. <laughs> One of the, uh, the, the things that, um, and I should tell everybody in the interest of full disclosure, Glenn and I have known each other for a couple of weeks, but I feel like I've known him for years. Yeah. Um, some people just connect, and we, we connect it right off the bat. Um, you've been around this business a long time. Um, but interestingly enough, you're a relative newbie to filmmaking. Tell everybody a little bit about your background. Who was Glenn Martin, and where did you come from? Well, it all started back in 1984. They did a movie, a comedy. It had uh, uh, Kelly Preston, that's John Travolta's. Travolta's wife, uh, sure. Doug McKeon, he was uh, on the Golden Pond with Henry Fox. Yep. And uh, is it me or are you breaking up there, Glenn? I oh, can't really? hear me there you go. There we go. But um, hey, that's awesome. There's Paul. That's yeah, Bob Romanis is with Hello. Us. <laughs> Let me, uh, Glenn, I'm, hey going, I'm going to interrupt you for just a moment. Sure. Glenn. Uh, we've got another cast member. Ladies and gentlemen, making his way into the ring is Robert Bob Romanis, best known as the dapper, cool talking Mike Damone from the cult classic. And it really is cult status, this film. Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That plus an additional 90 films to his credit. He is an actor, acting coach. He is also a, a an individual and group coach as well. He sings, he writes music, he plays. A, a multifaceted individual. Bob, welcome to the show. I'm well, the Mad Dog, and it's great to have you on. What's the buzz? Oh, well, thank you. I have a good one. Our coffee connoisseur. What? Bob is our coffee connoisseur. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh are you? Mm -hmm. Brother, one of our sponsors is a coffee company. I'm going to turn you on to them. Two Rivers Coffee. Oh, well, I'd love to try that. Yep. Mm -hmm. We'll send you a box out. Amelia. Mm -hmm. Take note of that. Send, yes. box, uh, send a box of Two Rivers to Bob Romanus. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> You're looking pretty dapper there, young man. I got to bring the boss back in here because uh, I, I cut him off while he was talking. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Let me bring him back up here. All right. Go ahead, Glenn. So anyway, Bob, um, actually through my friend Chris, that's how I got Bob into the my movies. Um, Chris Nash, Bob. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, uh, Years went by. I went into the military. I was in the Navy for four years out in L.A. And uh, me and Chris started writing some stuff. And uh, actually, one of them is the big camp out. And uh, one thing led to another. A few years later, I started getting things together. And we filmed uh, When Night Comes. It was just a, a little thing I did. And it wasn't nothing major or big. And then we uh, got together and I... This is really funny. Um, Zach Galligan and me and him were friends on Facebook. And I, you guys remember Candy Crush? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> well, me and Zach was like battling against each other, going against the levels. And uh, I just 
asked him one, nice. one day if he wanted to read script and he did loved it joined and then um chris uh was in a movie called the wraith yeah i don't know if you guys remember the wraith oh sure and uh his friends in that was dave sherrill and james bosian they're played like the little goofball guys in in the wraith and one drank the motor oil and things like that and bosian was the other little sidekick and so they jumped on board and right. then james bosian calls clint howard clint howard jumps on board mm-hmm. then that's god bless you <laughs> Clint Howard. Clint. I love Clint. I've, I've had some ex- a few times. I've I've had some experiences with Clint. He's a an un, a, an unusual character. He's a yeah. unique individual. I I think he's a great, a talented individual, but he's a little quirky. Yes. Michael, <laughs> you, would you say that, Michael? Yeah. Well, I've worked with him about three or four times, and uh, right. he's an amazing talent, you know. And you got to realize he's like third generation. You know, Hollywood icon. Yeah. His father did his last job. I think he was 98. Wow. Yeah. You know, oh, he sure appeared was. In his last movie when he was 98 wow. years old. He's like Clint wow. Eastwood, you know, and Ron Howard and Clint Howard and Gentle Ben. I mean, Clint, oh, sure. and he had a he had a punk band that was very successful for a while. Isn't that interesting? I did. Yeah. That's something I didn't. I never knew. Yeah. I realized he was on television when he was four years old. Well, you know, I got you up here, Michael. Let me ask you, um, we're going to tie it right into what Glenn was talking about. How did you find yourself uh, in, in this project, the searching, uh, uh, in the shadows? Where, uh, Glenn, where did Glenn, this meet you? Glenn reached out to me on uh, Facebook, and he sent me his script, Cemeteries. And we were uh, spending a lot of time trying to get that movie put together, which is now in pre-production. Um, and then he said, in the meantime, I've got this other story. And he sent that to me, which was a, a Sasquatch movie. Sure. And he said, and we also are about to shoot this other movie, which is the one that we were, where I met Bob because we shot that one first. Uh, so I guess I've known Glenn maybe three, three years. Well, that's almost four years now. Yeah. 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 Right. It's 2024. Yeah. I want to bring yeah, Facebook right is like Facebook has opened up, you know, actors to uh the people who actually make the films they're well, cutting let, out the agents you know what, and Michael, managers let's, you know? let's talk about that a little bit michael it used to be where it, you couldn't even get to an actor or a an artist without management approval or uh some kind of um an okay a green light from a studio now it, it's almost as if the middleman has been taken away and you have access to uh, an entirely different range of people, uh, of independent directors, uh, as well as, you know, the proverbial studios. So is, it, how did it work for you? Was it a benefit to you to work outside of the studio system? Well, um, you know, it's just new. It's just new that you get right in touch with the actual filmmakers. And is it a benefit? Yeah. Yeah, because um, I have a little more control of my career now. You know, there's a lot of projects that come across an agent's desk and they give it to who they want instead of who um, might be right. Anyway, I still have an agent manager, you know, and, um, you know, they kind of let me go on these uh, independent projects. An independent film is... You know, it's it's just you're cutting out the bureaucracy and uh, the people who make decisions aren't always 
Right. I mean, yeah. look at some of the best movies that are coming out. We're made by independents, but of course the studios have, if you have $200 million, it's hard to fuck up a movie with $200 million. Yeah, but sure. it's, it's, it's happened. It's happened. For sure. So, uh, yeah, it's like, you know, when they went from film to uh, digital, that's where it changed. And then when streaming came in, suddenly, yeah. and now with an iPhone, you know, I just did a, a test film um, for the people who invented the Avid. And they have an app that you can go on the iPhone 14 or 15, whatever the fuck it is. Right. And they can do all of the special effects. It's like being in an LED stage with it's your remarkable. iPhone. Wow. You know, absolutely so remarkable. These, these people come out of film school or, you know, they come into the film industry. Yeah. And all they need is a, an iPhone and two thousand dollars worth of lighting equipment and they can make movies like they made in the in the 50s. It's it's a scary thought. I'll tell you what. Let me bring Bob Romanis in here. Bob, you are tying right into what Michael was talking about. Um, you're a product of the studio system. Um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High was a was a pretty big budget picture. It was a very um, low budget picture from Universal. It was on their low end. Was it really? I think it was five million dollars. Now let's talk about that because it came across like a big budget film. You would think. Uh, I want people to understand something though. You were the lead in that film with people like Sean Penn, Judge Reinhold, um, Phoebe Cates, and 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 the list goes on and on. Um, yeah. So let's talk about that. How did you end up? Securing the lead in this picture in fast times, yeah. Uh, I auditioned for it seven times wow. over seven weeks, and wow. I would go in like on a Monday. The first time I read for it, Amy Heckling looked at me, the director, and she said, Don't cut your hair. And so, uh, I thought, Wow, great, I got a chance. But then I didn't hear anything for a week, and I thought, okay, well, I didn't get it. And then I got a call, they want to see you. So I went back in, and this was over seven weeks. It kept, they kept calling me back in. I ended up doing uh, improvs. I ended up doing every scene in the script. I ended up going to makeup and wardrobe and coming back and doing it. And in the seven the meeting, I looked at Art Lentz and I said, I really like this part and I really think I could do a nice job, but I'm not going to come back for you again. And right there he said, okay, welcome aboard. Wow. After wow. <laughs> you had to put your foot down. <laughs> well, you know, it's very emotional. You know? Yeah, you know, it absolutely. You got a nice lead in a movie and then all of a sudden you don't hear anything. And then you hear something, and then you don't hear anything, and it's like a real roller coaster. And it's like, keep your fucking part or give it to me. Exactly. Right. Exactly. exactly. Well, let's and, talk about um, that a little bit. Now, in the introduction, I, in the introduction, I mentioned that uh, you teach both individual and group acting classes. I did. Been, yeah. Yeah, and and so there's a great deal of emotion involved in that. How do you convey to a new actor who per may not be particularly outgoing or able to reach that depth with them to pull out 
emotion when needed in a scene? Gosh, well. <laughs> what a simple question, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's practice. You know, it's just this practice. It's, it's uh, you know, it's uh. It's like if you keep doing it, you're you're you keep getting closer to it and deeper. And yeah. the older I get, the easier it is for me to go to those places. When I was younger, it was very hard to go to some some emotional places. But yeah, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how you you get there, really. Yeah, you know, just interesting, interesting stuff. I want to bring in uh, Beverly. Beverly is a. Uh, Patiently waiting away, and uh, I promise I'll get to you too as well, Brian and Jen. So don't go anywhere. Stay with me here. All right, one of my favorite screen queens. She still got it, baby. She still got it. <laughs> Beverly, talk to me a little bit about working with my late friend Clue Gulliger. Oh, I have. That's that's something. Um. He was wonderful. All the men on that shoot were wonderful. All the older gentlemen, James Karen and Don Kalpa and Clue, they were just yeah. they were fine gents. Um, getting their makeup up they, on, they were a bit naughty. Yeah, but- I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> Jim, Jim Karen had a, a kind of a naughty sense of humor. Yeah, he was, yeah. A, he was the, the he- troublemaker in the, in the makeup room. Oh, okay. the, yeah. <laughs> one time he has a great wife. Well, he's passed away, but um, he has a great wife. And uh, one time they had a thing, and and she caught him flirting, and she took her martini and just dumped it on his head, and he just sat there and laughed his head off. He thought it was so funny. I so, love it. Yeah. So how did uh, how did you get uh, hooked up with the, with Glenn Martin, and uh, uh, how how much did he have to bribe you to, to get you on board here? <laughs> You know what? It's, it's not funny. It's the same story. Facebook. We became friends on Facebook. And it seems uh, to be a recurring theme, isn't yeah. it? Facebook. You know what, though? It's like yeah. you spend somewhat of a deep. Well, I don't much anymore because I've been busy, but um, you kind of spend a lot of time visiting with your friends on Facebook. Hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? And right. um, it just kind of snowballed. And then someone say, hey, I'm sending you a message. And I don't like the messages, but um, okay, yeah, yeah. Can, hey, can I send you a script? And it's like, uh, yeah, okay, sure. And you know, here's my email. So it it was like that. It just it happened that way. We do get a lot of offers on Facebook. Some crazy stuff comes up, and you can kind oh, of yeah. feel of whether it's baloney or not. You know, oh, sure. like, I, I was here when he showed up with a script that came to my email. I'm like, wow, okay, this is really good. <laughs> and he was, hey, we're gonna shoot here. We're gonna do this, and you're gonna do this. And it's like. Oh, okay, you know, it's it's he just grabbed that that bell and rang it hard. <laughs> okay, I'm so blessed to have two of my favorite screamers on the show tonight, Jennifer. <laughs> you're oh, wait, up. I should have done that before. <laughs> Sorry, I you know, guys. Kid. <laughs> let's talk about. Um, well, first of all, let's talk about. Uh, I want to bring up here. I'm gonna get the Jen's bio here. Here's Jen's bio. Hot damn. Friday the 13th. How did you find your way into the new blood? Um, I auditioned. It was actually the very first movie that I ever auditioned for. And um, I was the last the last person in on the final callback. So I looked at my mom and I was like, okay, this can go one of two ways. Yeah. Either I'm going to go in 
and they're going to be so freaking tired from auditioning and auditioning all day long that they're not even going to remember me. Or I'm going to go in and they're going to be like, this is what we were waiting for. So I was 10 years old and I took my moment. I asked for my moment. I said, excuse me, can I have a moment? And I walked away from the directors and the producers and I faced the wall and I, I got all my emotions ready and I started to cry and then I turned back around and I started my scene and I got him. I had him by the balls. So <laughs> Ten years for old. you, it's interesting. We just heard Bob Romanus talk about going back seven times to audition for yeah. the same part. Um, why do you think, what was it about you? Was it you think your, your youth, your young age at the time? Was it did inexperience is what I'm saying? Did inexperience work in your favor? Um, I think it was like my maturity, actually. As a child, we were well, on location. We, were, we were going on. We were going on location. Mm-hmm. It was going to be extreme weather, extreme circumstances, right. and so I really seriously believe that that first moment that I took to show my maturity in my okay. vulnerability is probably what you know it's like, interesting okay, this, this girl i like can handle the way you... being in the middle of a river you know floating downstream She'll be i okay love with the this. way you answered that because i never said anything about maturity i said experience yeah isn't it interesting how we correlate I, the two i had no experience i was 10 it was my first audition yeah, how about i that? had maturity remarkable Remarkable. Wow. So in that case, it actually worked in your benefit. I believe so. Yeah. I could be wrong. I'm, I could be making this all up. No, listen, if I say it works for you, you go with it. <laughs> Brian. Brian, Bigfoot himself. Let's talk, brother. Yes, sir. You got uh you got a couple of films in the works. You've got uh Cabrini, yeah. which is um are we finished or are we still in production? No, we uh, we shot that back in 21. That's actually scheduled to release in March. So. Okay. And I knew it was going to be close. Yeah. Uh, Wolf Hollow. Talk to me about Wolf Hollow. That that was a film that that actually is released. Uh, that's out. You can get that out on Amazon Prime, on uh, iTunes, uh, wherever. We got that distributed. Um, the big one we got coming up is Grind. Uh, that, that's gotcha. the, the big one coming up this year. We're in the process of raising funds for that. And uh, that's going to be one one hell of a ride but yeah we'll be talking a little bit more about that on january the, the 22nd i want to tell everybody that brian saponis will be my guest for the entire show on january 22nd as i hope will each individual member of this ensemble I, i'm inviting everyone back yes to, please to be okay. on your own show uh because I, I want to talk to everybody um well, I will tell you, uh, one of the things that that kind of wrenched my gut is that I, I wish, and I, Glenn, I have a bone to pick with you, my friend. All right. <laughs> Look at this man. He's tall. He's handsome. He's dashing looking. You're going to put him in a fucking costume? Oh, no. He, he, in, 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 in a shadows, hairy costume? In the shadows, he plays the father of the, the, of the killer in the future. I do. Okay. So yeah, I actually get out of costume. But the funny thing is, Mad Dog, you know, like like Jennifer was saying, you know, her maturity got got her the role and, and her, her talent. And, and Bob was saying seven times. See, mine comes out. It's real easy. Mine was height. 
I got the role because of my height. Yeah, <laughs> sure. But you're a big actor, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're like six, 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 seven. I'm six five, so you know. I yeah, I knew you were up. I thought you were like six, 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 seven. Yeah, six five. But it was a you know, it was a. I'm, Facebook wasn't the issue in this one. I actually got it through, through networking, which is another big component of this industry is networking. Uh, uh, well, I have a question for you, Brian. Yeah. Um, what are the advantages to not being seen? Is How do you make it work for you? I mean, after all, let's be honest, you're an actor mm -hmm. and you want your acting chops to come through, but yet you're, you have the disadvantage of not being able to physically emote they can't see your face how well, do you work it i, I you're, you're still doing a, a ton of acting even in the in the uh the suit i know glenn there's one one scene where where bigfoot is kind of like growling at the 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 people he's chasing and you, you gotta you gotta bring that emotion even in the suit even more so through the suit because you got to see what you're doing uh, uh through the suit that you're working with so i think uh regardless of the fact I, i'm seen physically as me Right. Costume. There's still a, a ton of acting between between the physicality that I'm doing, making things look, you know believable in terms of how I'm moving, um, all, all kind of things that that definitely go into the acting of that. So yeah, Bob Romanus, let's bring it back up here. Let me talk to you a little bit, uh, Bob. Um, you are very reminiscent to me of an actor named Donald Pleasance. Um, oh, and I wanted to find out if uh, in these in this the particular film, um, did you draw upon the Donald Pleasance character in, in any way, shape, or form to, to create this psychologist psychiatrist? Well, I'm going to be honest with you, Mad Dog. I never saw the movie. Uh, it's Friday the third. Uh, what's the movie you're talking about? Friday the Thirteenth. Halloween. Oh, yeah, Halloween. Halloween, yeah. Mm -hmm. I never saw Michael it. Myers. Yeah, I, I didn't see it. Uh, horror movies scare me. <laughs> <laughs> They're supposed to. That's great. <laughs> I got eaten by a monster one time, too. It was a ball. I had a great time. But uh, I really don't watch them because uh, I get nightmares, kind of, you know. It's it's uh, eerie. the The portrayal is eerily similar to Donald Pleasance's character, Doctor Loomis, in Halloween. It's uh, and I, Glenn, and I actually spoke privately about that, did we not, Glenn? Yes. I said because no, I'm going. I I told Glenn I'm going to ask Bob when he comes on. Well, well, I, uh, I had uh, I had Michael um, kind of hold his hand for him so he didn't get too scared of of. Uh, Brian, whenever he came in the room. So, right. <laughs> yeah. well, I'll tell you what. The, the, against my better judgment, folks, the pit bull is up to bat. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah so me, you know. isn't he? Oh, you kid, um, Beverly. I had a question for you. I see uh, that you were a licensed pilot. Is that correct? That's that's true. Yeah. Um, what got you to get your license to be a pilot? I'm sorry. What got you to get your license to be a pilot? Well, it's a funny. It's a funny story. We were living in Wisconsin, and um, it was in the summertime. And you know, planes, of course, fly over every now and then. And there'd be—we lived on a lake, and planes would fly over the lake, and sometimes even land in the lake. I thought, oh my goodness, this is really something. I look at the, look at these people doing whatever they want, going wherever they want, and I always just thought it was an incredible thing. And then on uh, my birthday, 
my husband says, get out of the water. We're going somewhere. And I was like, okay. And um, I looked like a mess. And we drove for like 45 minutes. And he he pulled up to an airport. And he said, <laughs> guess what? You're going to go in and have a, a flying lesson. And I started crying. I'm like, what? How could you do this to me? No, I don't want to do that. Are you crazy? And he says, oh, okay, I'll, I'll go tell him that you don't want to do this. And I'm like, no, wait. <laughs> and so um, I went in and uh, got in the plane and he got in the back seat and um, we flew around for an hour. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. It's everything I thought it would be. And so I started taking lessons right then and there. The next week I was there like once, twice a week. And uh, then finally got my license. But I love it. It's it's incredible. That's fantastic. I was like a girl, a girl pilot. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's easier than driving. Is it's it really? Easier than driving. You can't hit anything. <laughs> the ground. Yeah. The ground. <laughs> That's not true. It's it, there's some things that are more complex there's and no um, fender benders and <laughs> although I did have a close one with um what are those like a C um the big cargo it's a C uh what are those C one thirty yes big big little pucker thing oh, and yeah. um I was um taking off and one was coming it was behind me and it was landing and I was on the runway and the the um uh, control tower said Beverly get off the runway get off the runway because when they land the force that comes out from behind the the plane would have just blown over my little C-174 oh my goodness <laughs> and one time I took um I was doing my um, solos. And so I flew into accidentally, I flew into military airspace. And, um, <laughs> all places. and so next thing you know, I've got these little fighter jets coming around me. And um, they go, you, you know, you're not supposed to be here. And, and and the other guy goes, it's okay, I'll get her out. He goes, follow me. And it's like these big, you know, planes. Anyway, it was very fun. It was very cool. It was a big mistake on my part. And, uh, but I didn't get any trouble. They were really nice about it. <laughs> So I had a lot of experiences flying, a lot of crazy times, but it's incredible. It's when you, when you first land for the first time at night and you can turn on the lights to the airport from your plane is incredible. It's just, it's like you hit hit the buttons and you turn on and and um, there's your runway and it's just one time my wings of our wings froze over, which was very frightening. It's a huge no no, and because um, your plane goes down. Um, but that was also in Wisconsin. So. <laughs> I landed in a cornfield one time with, you know, the, it was, anyway, I'll stop. But. I'm glad I love the ground. Obviously a patch. Continue, Amelia. You're still up. Oh, that's funny. Love that. Um, And uh, also, I was going to say, Robin Menace, you said that you're a, a coffee connoisseur. You also had your own cafe. Well, I, I had a coffee shop here in Los Angeles for about two years. And uh, I got rid of it finally because... Uh, it's a nickel business with dollar problems, right. you know. Uh, Absolutely. But I had a great time because I had entertainment six nights a week, and I got to meet a lot of great musicians and comedians, and it was that was a, a great time. The business end of it was, you know, I gave probably gave away more coffee than I sold. Oh my goodness. Robert is um, uh, is music therapeutic for you to to, to write to perform. Oh, absolutely. Is, is there a, a, a level of therapy for you? You know, uh, <clears throat> music, I've been playing music since I was a little kid. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
it's something that I always go to. Um, I, I can always tell when I'm feeling good because I'm listening to music <clears throat> or playing music. If I, if I feel a little down or something, I'm usually listening to the news. You know what I mean? So music yeah, sure. is a way of really kind of uh, yeah. making me feel good. And uh, I love the process of writing and recording. You know? What's your go-to music? What, what type of genre is your, your go-to? Well, I like all kinds of music. Uh, uh, gosh. You know, uh, uh, I, I would say probably guys like Van Morrison and J.J. Kale, and uh, I'd say kind of acoustic kind of rock stuff. Oh, beautiful. Um, yeah, my, my band is called Papa's Kitchen. You can look it up on the Internet. And, oh, fabulous. The all kinds. Of, we have like 10 CDs out there. So oh, yeah. oh, wow. idea what kind of music we write. Oh, we're definitely going to promote that for sure. Oh, absolutely. You got to hear his music. His songs are wonderful. Wonderful. Ta what's the one? Um, ta Is it Table for One or Table for Two? Table for One, yeah. Oh, I love that. It's beautiful. Beautiful song. Wow. I well, I'll tell you what, folks, we are brought to you tonight by A24 Films, the producers of the Worldwide Smash, The Iron Claw. Let's take a look at the trailer for that film, and we'll be right back. Ever since I was a child, people said my family was cursed. Mom tried to protect us with God. Pop tried to protect us with wrestling. He said if we were the toughest, the strongest, nothing had ever hurt us. I believed him. We all did. Morning. Pants tomorrow, please, David. Harry, I want you to join your brothers in the ring. Yes, sir. I love that. Now, we all know Carrie's my favorite, then Kev, then David, then Mike. But the rankings can always change. What do you want in life, Kevin Von Eric? More ribs. <laughs> I want to be with my family. You know, be with my brothers. What do you like to do with your brothers? Together, we can do anything. We're here to restore justice to the wrestling federation that our father built with his own two hands. The hands that were passed down to us. The hands that will deliver the iron cross to you. So what do you think? Like we're alive. I love your family, Kevin. Don't we, Uncle? Yes, sir. Oh, man, that makes me so happy. I talk to you about something. Dad's too tough on us. You gotta say something. Baby, that's what your brothers are for. Feel that? Ah. You feel that? Ah. That's pressure. We're pushing too hard. I'm fine, Kev. Seriously, I'm just sick. I'm scared, man. It all matter control. I need to think about my family. Your job is to wrestle. Live up to that deal or we are through. I told you to look out for him. I just love being out there with you guys. It's the only thing that matters to me. The father will forever be the greatest family in the history of wrestling. And I Man. saw that film. It's a hell of a film. That looks great. That looks really good. But Glenn, I'm sorry, dude. It's fucking 1.30 in the morning. I got to bounce. 
Yeah, I figured that. Well, I'll tell you what, Michael. I'll come back, okay? I'll tell you what. I am going to send you a personal invitation. I want to do a show just with you. Yes. Okay. And I promise it'll be so difficult. No, it'll. I promise it'll be during the daylight. Good idea. For sure. All right, girl. Good to see you all, Bob Chang. Thank you so much. Good to see you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a pleasure. Good night. Thanks so much. Love you. Take care, my friend. Pleasure to meet you. Bye. Likewise. All right, let's get back to that. I'll tell you what, God bless him. It's one o'clock in the morning uh, where Michael was in the Netherlands, and bless his heart for staying up. Um, and thank everybody. Thank you for being with us tonight. Uh, we are approaching, let's see, uh, our first commercial break, but you know what? We're going, you know, Amelia, we're going to, I think we're going to bypass our commercials tonight. Sure, why not? Why not? Why the hell not? He's my emotional support pet. <laughs> oh, well, wait a minute. I, hold, hold on. Doggies this is, this this is Rocco. What kind of puppy you got there, kiddo? Well, now he doesn't want to be a part of it. <laughs> it's when, it's when he, nobody's watching, right? He's camera shy, right? All he of a sudden. <laughs> That's Cute. What kind of dog is that, Jen? He's a Jack Russell Terrier. Oh, Jack Russell. He's one hundred percent good boy. I don't know if you've ever heard of that breed. Oh no, Amelia, you know anything? But you don't know no, about that. One hundred percent good boy. <laughs> no, I, I, that's a new one. I will tell you what, I want to bring Glenn. Glenn, you are the man of the hour. Let's try. Let's get down to the nitty gritty here. Um, you're a film director. You've done a lot in the business. Um, relatively new to film. When a script approaches you uh, or someone has an idea off the cuff do you take everything seriously or do you instinctively know what's going to work and how it's going to look a lot of directors have that that quirky gift that they they can see things in cinemascope well the first thing that you gotta uh keep in mind everybody has an idea so when you're on the set, you're hearing this, hearing that. So you just kind of kind of grapple it and say, listen, just do your job. I'll do my job. <laughs> I also do their job. But I got the benefit of having guys like this. These guys are all veteran actors. And I don't have to really tell them much. Because, you know, we talk a lot. Sure. You know, this and that. And they'll come up with an idea. Bob comes up with some great stuff all the time. And um, and then I think Bob and Beverly just got along so well in, in the Bigfoot movie. Yeah. The and they just knocked it out of the park. And, and it helps when you got a Bigfoot that actually looks like a Bigfoot, too. <laughs> Brian there. And uh, well, me, Can I ask a question right there? Because sure. it's an, an interesting genre, the Bigfoot genre, the uh, cryptozoological genre. Um, is, it, is the market oversaturated with that kind of product, Bigfoot, uh, um, creatures that go bump in the night, the Jersey Devil, uh, Mothman, that kind of that kind of stuff. There's a lot of stuff out there, Glenn. Well, here's the thing: is you know, it seems like everybody just keeps doing the same thing over and over and over again. It's just a different story. I was trying to take a different approach. I wanted to show the Bigfoot side of the of the story. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to be. He didn't go out killing people. Stuff. He had reasons why. Yeah. And when we first did this, it was called Sacred Grounds. And 
we had to come back and film some more stuff, but we was going to go ahead and, and there's a part in this movie where we got the, uh, the Native American side of the story. And so we have a, an actor telling he's playing a Native American modern day. Mm-hmm. And he's telling the story about what was back in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. And you, Indians, for example, would not go into their sacred grounds. Right. Bigfoot. They stayed away from them. They, they gave sure. them respect. So we came up with the idea in a meeting, me, Beverly, her husband, Clayton, um, and we came up, and Bob. And Bob says, why don't we have the opening of the movie, like, basically like the uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the, ri- the original, where the guy's telling the story. Interesting. And I was like, wow, that's like a great it. idea, Bob. And then yeah. I said, why don't we just bring it to life? Well, let me ask you a, a question along that line. Um, you mentioned uh, the Native American uh, folklore in the background. Did you approach the Native American community, and were they supportive uh, of the idea? No, we didn't get that far, because what happened was, well, poor Beverly went to a horror con or something and ate some bad fish. <laughs> well, they're not, they're not sure yeah, what went wrong, but I was in the hospital for a, a bit. Yeah, I was sick. So we had to postpone it. So I decided that, okay, I'm going to get Michael Perret, Robert Romanus, Jennifer Banco, and we're going to make this Bigfoot movie, which was now called The Searching, was Sacred Grounds. And I'm going to make the title of that movie, The Searching, and we're going to go on a different angle. I'm going to do Sacred Grounds on a standalone Western. So it's Cowboys, Indians, and Sasquatches. So, uh, we're going to hopefully be doing that here springtime, somewhere right. in that area. Yeah, and we're going to have a lot of good actors. And, uh, well, I'll tell you what, Glenn, you got a hell of a cast here. Um, it's a, it's a, a hell of an ensemble cast. I'll be honest with you, be very honest with you. But you know, uh, any cast uh, costs money, you have to spend money to get good people. Exactly. Um, I'm, I'm imagining you probably wiped out your savings account. You, you probably well, I had an investor that wiped out his. No. <laughs> so. talk to me. Let's, let's talk a little bit about finance, uh, independent film finance. It's yep. and it's no secret. Uh, it's no secret that anybody that's made an independent film, it's hard to get funding. It's much easier to get a two hundred million dollar budget than it is to get a two million dollar budget. Well, that's, and that's the, that's just the sad truth of filmmaking. And that's um, exactly because I mean, I'm telling you, I mean, there's some movie people out there can make a twenty five thousand dollar movie and become success, and make millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's luck. I mean, believe it's not that easy. When you don't have a lot of money to work with, it's time restraints. It's like <clears throat> we only got eight hours today, guys, because we can't come back tomorrow. Yeah, you know, we can't go too much further above because then actors get tired and they're getting behind yeah. the crew. So if it's best if you can get a good strong budget and work for three weeks instead of trying to cram in yeah. one week in a three week process. <laughs> well, Robert, easy. let me ask you a question. Um, you've you've worked under various constraints, both financially and time wise. Um, is there a benefit to working under these financial constraints? Does, does it? Does it pull your creativity to the surface, or you you do you have to work a different way to achieve um, a million dollar budget look? 
Well, you know, uh, it's easy to throw money at something to fix it. You know, when you're working on these little budgets, you have to be creative. Yes. You know, you don't mm -hmm. have the money or time. Uh, and so you get creative. You know, you, yeah. you know, uh, what's that saying? Uh, necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah. Right? And, and so, poverty is his father. <laughs> <laughs> and when you don't have any money, you know, you just have to figure out how you're going to get through it. You know, some mm -hmm. you, yeah. you don't have a big, you know, uh, a big dolly or you don't have that kit, but, but you have a little hand truck. You know, yeah. So sure. You strap the camera guy onto the hand truck and you drag him, drag him across the floor. You know, and that's mm -hmm. being creative with a tracking shot because you don't have the, you know, the twenty thousand dollar camera that's gonna, you know, uh, do yeah, that. You know, absolutely. so you have to get creative. And and uh, actually, I think it's uh, it's kind of more fun. You know, it's absolutely I mean, the whole process is. I love everybody creative. I love independence. <laughs> Glenn yeah. and, and I have talked at length about um, the, the freedom that comes with making independent film. Uh, I have a lot of friends. They've been on the show. Um, film, Amelia, yes. filmmaker after Yin Yang. Okay, absolutely. We've had filmmakers after, and everybody's got their own way of stretching a dollar. Yes. Uh, Brian, I wanted you up here front and center, so I want to talk to you about this. You're a guy, like your fellow actors, you, you rely on getting paid for your job. Yes. Uh, and perhaps it's not as much as you may want uh, or deserve, but are you ever unhappy? And how do you approach a, a director or producer about... Um, the work that you're giving as opposed to the compensation you're getting? I don't know. That's a tough question because I, I you kind of know going in where things stand. I always look at it as in today's environment in the entertainment business and, and filmmaking, it, it's so competitive, right? And that I look at if you if you're landing roles or, or callbacks or things, you're, you're you're doing a pretty damn good job because there, there's if I get on a set. How many thousands of other actors want my role? Yes, I want to be paid, and yes, I want to be paid, you know, fairly. Sure. But there's also the, that kind of intangibles, like you know, I got a role that that people would 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 give their left arm for, and uh, this film may take off and may do do something big. So there, there's things beyond like, okay, maybe I'm not getting paid as much as I want, but I know that this film might do something that these guys are going to do other films, or somebody's going to see this film and they're going to hire me for another film. There's so many other things and aspects in in, in the filmmaking industry that yeah. That they kind of cover for maybe films where I'm not getting paid as much as I think I should, or, or things of that nature. But you know, you're still getting a role that, that people want. It's still valuable, and there's there's a lot of value in. That. Oh, absolutely, absolutely for sure. Um, Glenn, I'm going to bring the uh, the probably the youngest member of the crew up here, and so I'm going to put her on the hot seat. Jen, <laughs> let's let's talk a little bit uh, about filmmaking. Um, you are a probably, I would venture to say, the youngest of the crew uh, in, in, in all candor, right? You're, perhaps. You're, perhaps. <laughs> so you're, you're a, a, a relative, <laughs> relative newcomer. 
Uh, you've been involved in this for a, a little while now. Here's what I'm getting uh, at. The, I've been the, a the, member of Screen Actors Guild since 1986. Okay, so you're just a kid. <laughs> I got suits older than you, lady. <laughs> now, let's, I'm going to tell you a little, a little serious here. Um, Glenn comes to you with this film. He yes. says, I've got a great part for you. Uh, the money's a little light, but I think you could, you, you might, you might find some meat in this to sink your teeth into. Um, you think about it. You you jump on it right away. You go consult someone. Well, How he said he sent Beverly someone... first. He sent Beverly first, and literally Beverly could talk me into like killing somebody and hiding the body with her. Like I would do anything, anything Beverly told me to do. I'd be like, okay. So he kind hey, of, he kind of cheated. He kind of cheated because I went in. Full 100% like trusting Glenn 100% because I trust Beverly. And so I was just down. I was, yeah. we were, you know, we were in it to win it. Absolutely. Yeah. I love favorite. that attitude. I really do. One of the things that, that I like to do when I have guests on the show is I like to, I like to go there. I like to go where other interviews don't. Um, that's why I have, thank you for the great sponsors. I have no language parameters on this show. I, I oh, like did I just say a bunch of fucked up shit? <laughs> no, that's that's all good. Fantastic. Hey, we hey, love fucked here. up around here. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, we love fucked up around here. Wait, hold, hold on, I can fix that. Action. <laughs> but, uh, here's what I want to do. I want to talk a little bit. and let, uh, let's, let's address this. Um, you've got a... I'm with some conservatively say a half a dozen pictures under your belt, right? Somewhere around there, six, seven films, eight. Who, Glenn? Me? You, yeah. Glenn. Yeah, you're Glenn. Oh, uh, <laughs> well, we got, I got four, then we got four coming, so, yeah. Okay, so I, you got a half a dozen or so under your belt. All yeah. right. Let's talk a little bit about prioritizing film. Um, do you necessarily go throw your your weight, your money, your life, your energy behind the one that tugs at you or the one that's waiting for you to be tugged at? The one that's waiting to be tugged at? Well, I guess you can say all the above because if you don't feel a movie's done just because everybody else wants it done, that can be most dangerous thing because in back of your mind you're like man i gotta fix this movie and that's mm -hmm. what happened with the bigfoot movie so at the same time we know especially at beverly we we know what we got with the sacred grounds but it's it's that good and i i we just can't wait to sink, sink our claws into it and get this thing done so well beverly <laughs> let's follow yes. up that let's follow up let's here you've yeah. been um You've been credited as a producer, co-producer on a couple yeah. pictures here. Um, talk to me about the the fiduciary and financial responsibility that you feel investing well, in a picture. Well, I'm not I'm I'm investing my talent, not my finances, which okay. is the first rule in doing well, a film. I, I should tell so people <laughs> well, we, we should, in the interest of full disclosure, tell people that a producer, by definition, has a financial interest in a film. 
some executive not necessarily. Not, well, no. Yeah, okay. executive producers. Executive producers do the financing, not a regular okay. producer. So, so clarify yeah. for us the the difference between the executive producer who's in charge of the purse strings and yeah. producer. Bob, you want to jump in on that for me? Well, it, it, it's exactly what it says to produce, to get the job done. So, you know, it, it doesn't mean you have to throw your money into it. You may be the one who pulls together a cast or you may be yeah. the one who finds locations or you may be the one who puts a couple of people together. And uh, and then from that, you can get a producer's credit because you help to produce this movie, you know? Yes. So basically, Beverly, you became a producer because Glenn likes you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't sleep with him. But no, no. Um, yeah. It's, well, my husband and I have been doing this for so long that we have, my husband knows a lot more than I do. He works right. in the film business consistently. Um, and um, I've been in the, I'm the second generation of film business people. So I right. have a good idea of what to do and what not to do. And, and I've seen any set since I was a little kid. So it's just, I, I kind of know how it goes. So. Pitbull, questions yeah. for the cast. Sure. Um, Mr. Glenn Martin, uh, I had a question for you. What's the best location you've found to do, make your movies at? Oh, right here in my backyard. I mean, really? It's, it's, it's beautiful here in Southeast Ohio. Uh, I mean, everybody that came out, I mean, put it this way. We have a big um, underground lake or spring lake in my hometown. Well, not where I'm at now, but where I grew up. And I took jennifer there and bob and michael perret to this thing i need spring. some more water i need <laughs> yeah. some more water i mean it's gushes out of the hill and it's the best taste in water i mean there's literally no taste to it it's really? that good bob you remember that yeah yeah we so, have uh, like that here too in so, Zephyr hills yeah, it's, it's a beautiful countryside it's, it's especially for a, a, the bigfoot movie i mean it was everything it was it was hot ask brian he knows he's in the suit one day it was freezing the next time it was freezing oh my gosh that was horrible in november jeez yeah. that was nuts in the shadows yeah and now in the shadows now we filmed a lot of that in georgia right uh, brian michael perret jennifer didn't have to come back because we got all her stuff shot in ohio right uh but well i'll tell you what glenn that's a great segue because i have the, the the trailer queued up for you okay so why don't we take a look at this and we'll talk about it after yeah. the uh after the break okay. marlon hatcher hasn't spoken in 35 years that's what you're telling me that's exactly what i'm telling you i find that hard to believe doctor he just sits in front of the window, staring out at nothing. Past the hills, past the trees, past the days and nights, to this moment. What's going on? Your wife should be murdered. What? How? I think I can answer that question for you, Tom. Dr. Lucas, what are you doing here? Harlan has escaped. Grandpa, where are you? 
Love that trailer. That does not look like a lower budget independent trailer. It looks like a studio trailer. It's sharp, it's crisp, it's clean, and it makes me want to see the film. I wanted to watch the rest of it. (laughs) So, uh, talk to me about achieving that look. What did you have to do to get that polished look? That's very polished, by the way. Uh, equipment. You got to have the right equipment. I mean, um, well, let's talk about how equipment can make or break a film. Let's let's uh, let's go there. Well, and everything's digitized now. I mean, theaters, every, everything is. So if you try to use tape, you might as well forget it. I mean, if else you're Hollywood, then they can transform everything around. But uh, uh, you got to have the crew. The crew's got to be the, the main. I mean, you don't have a good crew, you're not going to have a good film. Glenn, let's talk about your crew. You uh, you have um. Eight or ten people working with you, uh, more or less. Uh, what did we have down there, guy? I think we had probably 15, 20. Yeah, about that. Yeah, okay. in Georgia and now in Ohio, we had I think about ten. Okay. Now the ones we had down in Georgia, I mean, they these guys were doing the Avenger movies, and they they, they were very knowledgeable. They knew what they were doing. Um, now my DP for In the Shadows was my connection with Beverly. She, um, Dylan Costa, he, he's one of my director of photography on that, and he did a really good job. I mean, it's we, we, we me and him purchased this this uh this camera, and man, it was awesome. But if it started sprinkling, you had to hide, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I'll tell you what, Glenn, I'm gonna pause you right there for a minute. I am up against the heartbreak. Okay. We will be right back after this word from our sponsor. Just wanted to start a business when something surprising happens. Today, I'm going to teach you how to crochet. She started crocheting, like a lot, and her friends noticed. Jess, you need to sell those. So, she signed up for Shopify and started building her business. Yes, I love that. And after a lot of hard work, this happened. Oh my gosh, I just made my first sale! You see, every day, hundreds of businesses get their first sale on Shopify. We got things. And the next could be you. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life. And become your own boss. Build it on Shopify. Do you have sweaty balls? Or volleyball netty balls? It's time to make them ready balls. The Manscaped.com Lawnmower 3.0 will do the job and clean your knob with its patented no-nick head so your head will function as desired. 
Enter promo code Wrestling Future for a generous 20% discount. That's Enter Wrestling Future for a 20% discount. Manscaped.com and Wrestling with the Future going balls to the walls with Manscaped.com and the Lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. And so will we. I love that commercial spot. <laughs> What's up with that one? The manscaping. <laughs> no, they were gonna... what, heck? What, what was that, Glenn? Manscaped. Is that what that was? Manscaped.com. They have been my sponsor for seven years. That oh, was hilarious. Yeah. That was so funny. I wrote that commercial. I produced it. I performed it. <laughs> That's his voice. <laughs> That's me. Absolutely. I want to bring Brian up here again. Brian. You have an interesting path to uh, to entertainment and to, to acting. You are an athlete. Yeah, I was. Talk I, to me. Talk uh, to me yeah. about the uh, – th this must have been a really sudden and dramatic turn in your life. Uh, Let's get no. a little preview of your show. Let's yeah, a little preview. Yeah, no, I, I, just kind of – not really. I, I kind of came out of college with two pie-in-the-sky dreams that I wanted to be a professional athlete, and then I wanted to be a professional actor. So the athlete had to come first because I couldn't be a 40-year-old rookie. So I ended up uh, having – I'll save most of the uh, the drama for, for my individual show. But basically I had an opportunity to go play professional volleyball for over – on and off over the course of a decade over in Europe, played in Switzerland, played in Ireland, played in Norway, um, and, and uh, retired from that in 04. And that's when I said, okay. Uh, and my wife and I were living in Dublin, Ireland at the time. I said, it's time to do this acting thing. So we moved from Dublin out to Los Angeles. And that was, uh, that was when my whole acting career started. Everybody goes to LA. Nobody goes to Dubuque. No. <laughs> or yeah. Akron. There's not a big film market in Akron. Oh, God. Oh, oh, oh the dog. Where's the doggy? Where's the doggy? Dog's on the loose. Oh. Uh, oh, wow. Jen, what happened there? Yeah. You all right, kid? There she is. Okay. The, the sun's going down, so I was trying to turn on another light, and it's not turning on. Oh. Oh, no. Okay. Um, I thought you were got in trouble. We're getting ready to send the search party for Jen Bankup. No, um, I was trying Amelia, to get the light up in here. Next round of questions for the crew, Amelia. Go for, uh, for Rob Romanis, uh, do you find it easier acting more in a sitcom, or drama, or more like in a movie? What's the easiest for you? Well, uh, you know, not they're all about the same, whether it's a sitcom. They're, they all have their challenges. You know, if you're working on a sitcom, 
different pages keep coming every day. So if you, you memorize your lines and you go down and you rehearse and, and they hand you new pages with new lines. So you're all constantly trying to remember something, you know, on a film, uh, you know, you're lucky if you get a chance to rehearse, you know, before you actually, a lot of times you just go down to the set and you, uh, you know, you start working. A lot of, a lot of people don't take, you know, weeks to rehearse and everything. Uh, maybe my favorite thing are plays because, uh, Love it. You work on a play from the very first page yeah. to the very last page, and it's a real process. And as you rehearse over and over and over again, you just get deeper and deeper into the material. And it's really, it's really a process that's really satisfying. I love the idea of live theater. Uh, my wife and I belong to a theater guild. It's, it's uh, one of the things that, I mean, you can't replicate live theater. You know, you can you can do any number of things on film, but there's nothing like seeing people, real human people, on a stage performing. I, I oh, just, yes. I don't I care what anybody says. I even I really like bad that. plays. I'll even go watch a bad play. I, I just like that's a really uh, fun place to be, is in the theater watching or Absolutely. being acting. You know? Jennifer, uh, uh, what is yes. your experience with live theater, Jennifer? Um, I worked with, um, Justine and Jason Bateman's father at oh. theater three. Mm -hmm. Um, we did a really cool play called sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night. It was one of the only, the only young ones in that one. That was pretty amazing. Um, on Maui, I danced in a live show, um, 11, uh, eight, six dancers, live musicians, live singers, 11 dancers, eight costume changes. Wow. That was pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Remarkable. My lighting is off, you guys. I'm sorry. I'm creating shadows. I don't know how to yeah, fix it. <laughs> That's okay. I don't know how to fix it. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I have you on, I'll, I will make sure that my lighting guy. That you're not <laughs> at it, apparently. Absolutely. But Jennifer, what do you do on your spare time? Me? Yes. Play with animals. Mm -hmm. Animals what are my, they're, it's my, it's my therapy. I run a little, a little what? pet care business with my dog. Mm-hmm. And we specialize in play dates so Aww. that I can make money while my dog's playing with other dogs. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> All right, Glenn. The big guns are back up. All right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's talk about future projects. I know that you and I spoke privately. You have three or four projects in the wings that you're working on. Um, what is without giving away the the plot or story to any of them? Uh, what's the one that you that that is the go to that you have to have next? Wow, I would say definitely sacred grounds, but I got one called cemeteries, and it's paranormal. It's uh, based on a true story up here Ooh. where I'm at, Nathan's County. Here, um, there was uh, there, there's five cemeteries in the city of athens ohio here mm -hmm. and if you draw a map on a map of these five cemeteries it makes a pentagram 
Oh, wow. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> each one of the, the stars, I guess you can say, the points. Sure. Cemeteries, and they all were haunted one way or another. Oh. So this story wow. is about the hanging judge, and his name was uh, Judge Sims. And he's the, the, I guess, the urban legend is that you go there at night, he'll run you out. He's like, he's like dressed like a grim reaper. Oh, really? And yeah, and he chases everybody out. But the place has been decimated now. It's just, there's no stones or anything anymore because college is just kids would go up there and party mm. and destroy the stones and all oh, that stuff. Would that even make the story? That sounds creepy. Off? I like that. I like it already. Let's go find them. Let's go right. find them. <laughs> but that's that's one that I really like. Uh, uh, my producers for that is Matt Berry. He's the Hollywood casting director. He did the Rush Hour movies, mm -hmm. The Notebook. Sure. Uh, oh, and his partner is Ron Wells, their business partners in um, uh they have Lionsgate involved in that, so that's that's a good thing. Um, and then we have sure. uh, uh, Sacred Ground, which, man, me, Beverly, and Clayton, I, I know we know what we could do on this. It's going to be really good. And Clayton really worked hard for about two or three weeks with the Beverly. Then Beverly mm -hmm. got to tend to her, but that's okay. We went and made in the shadows and finished up okay. searching. So, um, but there's one called, it's, a, it's called the Apocalyptic. Uh, that I really like. It's going to be a TV series like uh, Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a, about a meteor shower hitting the earth and causing, causing the apocalypse. And Interesting. Oh. And gases come from the atmosphere from them coming through, and it causes uh, a psychotic state to a certain humans, and then there's certain beasts. Dead on steroids type uh, TV show. And then I got a everybody. I mean, I do horror mostly, but I've got an action comedy called Let's Get Rocked. And it's like the hangover okay. meets the wild hogs. <laughs> it's a rock back in the 80s. It's a rock band back in the 80s that was on its way up and it's had great success coming. And then tragedy happens. The band disbands and then they get a, a second chance 30, 40 years later. Oh my God. Yeah. They get the band back together and they go to from LA to Cleveland, Ohio, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame to do the Battle of the Bands. You so, know, there's uh, more truth to that than you realize. You know how often that's happened? Yeah. yeah it, it's going to be a good one. I mean, it's. Uh, I spent uh, 45 years in this business, I spent 30 of those years in music. So, and I've seen, I recorded bands. I manage bands. I book bands, brother. Let me tell you something. That you have no idea how on the money you are right now. Hmm. That that's like if I'm, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but yeah. th that's a a go to for me. That's your new name, on the money, Glenn. <laughs> well, the thing is that you know, but like I told you earlier, you've got to have every piece of the pie. Oh sure. Mm -hmm. If you got one bad apple, it can bring mm -hmm. the whole production to a crash. Oh, it, everybody has a job to do. If and you don't have every piece of that pie, you may not have a production, brother. I got news for you. You got a lot of issues. I mean, it Absolutely. could be it could be somebody that has to take Bob to the airport or pick Bob up at the mm -hmm. airport. If he don't get him there, mm -hmm. we're behind. You know, he don't. I'll get send my bed. car for him. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it, a lot of people think it's just, oh, it's all fun and games. It's it's a lot of work. I mean, oh, I'm sure it is. 
put the pen the pencil on the pad all the way till the movie's getting ready to go in the theater. It's work all the way through. So, We're going to do our our round robin section now. We have a Pitbull and I do a section here called the Round Robin. What we're going to do, going to take a question, go around the horn with it. Uh-huh. Let's start with Bev, since you are the one up here. Beverly, um, the emotional content that you invest in the film, uh-huh. worth the investment or draining afterward? Always worth the investment. Explain. Well... Whatever you do in the the film, you've invested your time and something has come out of it. And if it doesn't work out, you've still learned something. So it's always, always worth it. And yes, yes, sometimes you are very drained afterwards, but you learned something. You've met somebody, you've, you've had some experience that was something worth it. Yeah. Bob Romanus, worth the investment or exhausting? Both. It's both. Yeah. You know, uh, no matter what the part or the, you know, whatever it is I'm working on, I want to give it all I have. You know, that's the fun. Mm-hmm. The fun is really diving into the character. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't really care to watch it afterwards. I, I My fun is doing it. And uh, when it's done, it's exhausting, yeah. you know. Yeah. You well, how do you channel that? How everybody has a process. How uh-huh. what is your process, Bob, for channeling that that exhaustive energy? Well, uh, how do I how do I deal with that energy, that exhaustive yeah. energy? Yeah. Well, between you and me, I like to come home and smoke a joint and have a big cup of coffee and uh, <laughs> and think about my day. I <laughs> thing to relax. I live in New Jersey. It's legal here. I'll send you whatever the fuck you want. Well, it's here too. I can walk down the corner and get it. There you go. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'll have a scotch. If I was a drinker, I'd sit and have a scotch and do the same thing, but Alcohol doesn't really agree with me, so uh, that's yeah. what I do, you know. I hear you. I'm, I'd rather take, you know, a smooth a cup of coffee. Uh, yeah. One thing I always do is I, I sit down and I go over the whole day in my head. And I see, you know, I try to think of, of what it looked like, what it was like, and where I, where I could have thought I could have done better, where I thought I did really well. But it's always a, a process I just sort of like to think about the whole day. Interesting. Beautiful. Jennifer, Bob brought up something interesting. He doesn't like to watch himself after he's done the work. How about you? Um, The emotional investment of doing the project, coming down afterward. Do you like to watch yourself? Um, so I've like watched things years later. I, I never, I don't know. I was never like a really watch myself kind of person unless there was like a premiere or something. Do you like but to like, sit in the dailies and, and, and watch the dailies? Um, when we're doing voiceovers and stuff, when we're, yeah, of mm-hmm. course. Right. Okay. All right. Brian, you're up, kid. I'm up. How about you? The, uh, the, the, emotional, um, the emotional exchange, acting, um, the... Uh, the emotional baggage that one carries often, how do you unload it? How do you channel it? 
do you channel it and do you watch yourself? Uh, the emotional back. That, that's, that's, that's a tough one. I, I think after, you know, wow, we got some sirens going on there. Um, yeah, Welcome I, to Huntington Beach, California. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just kind of like Bob. I, I like to come home. Just I don't know. I, I would hop on. I do a lot of cycling, um, and sometimes I just like to jump on the bike and just just ride. You know, just kind of clear my head. Uh, I don't really drink much, mm-hmm. uh, nothing like that. But uh, yeah, I get on I get on the bike, um, and just do something athletic. We go for a run, go to the gym or something. As far as watching myself, it, it depends. Sometimes I do like to, to check out the scene and it, it's not so much uh it, it's kind of strange it's not so much from the from the like emotional side it's more from the technical side you know, being a right. filmmaker i look at a lot of the technical things like how the scene's shaped up if we if i feel like i need to do it again because i feel something either technically wasn't right or something i, I felt could make the scene better um you know it, it there's a, there's a lot of different reasons why i want to want to watch it but uh most right. of it comes down to the technical side of it so Interesting. I'll tell you what, Glenn, you outdid yourself, my brother. You outdid yourself. You delivered the goods as you said you would. You he are. always does. He does. Yeah. Can I, can I say what. something? Can I say something? You can, can say, I say something. You want. Absolutely. Of course. Because you were talking, I never got to answer on like the emotional side of things and like okay. what you do. You leave it on the floor, you leave it on the screen. Right. That's what you do with the emotional stuff. Me personally, I've got a really loud head. I've always had a really loud head. I've always had a lot of like what people would say different personalities. Mm-hmm. So every time I get to do an emotional thing, I feel like I get to let go of a piece of me. And then I feel more whole, if that makes any sense. It makes perfect sense, especially to me. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. (laughs) Because you may as well call me Sybil instead of Mad (laughs) (laughs) For real. It's therapeutic. It is therapy. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. A good scream or a good cry, that does help. Yes. That's why. Why do you think Amelia and I chose alter egos? I mean, you know. The mad dog gets away with shit that Angelo DeCipio never could. <laughs> and the pit bull is an outright smooth criminal because you get away with fucking murder, lady. I can lose you. But then if anybody messes with you, they have to deal with the pit bull. Hell exactly. yeah, girl. Yeah. I'll tell That's you right. what. Glenn, um, let me bring you up here, brother. Um, thank you so much for putting this amazing cast together. Uh, for those who did not make it tonight... Um, Georgia Simmons and Julia uh, Julia Riley uh, were not able to be here tonight. They're out filming, uh, working the night. You got to work. Got to pay the bills. Uh, We will have them. Please extend an invite to them to join us on an individual show. And I would like to do the same right now to everybody that remains with us. I would love to have all of you. Uh, and I will make sure that I get through uh, the Glenn to, to contact you. Um, I would love to have you all on for your own episode. Is that agreeable to everyone? That's awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. I would love that too. Beautiful. Sure. Well, I'll tell you what, Amelia. Yes. What do we got coming up, kid? Well, as uh, tomorrow, I know that we're going to be doing uh, a show a rerun. So whoever didn't get to see it tonight will get to see it tomorrow. Absolutely. We had intended to do uh, the BTK killer tomorrow night. Right. Um, 
but circumstances in the weather here, particularly, uh, I'm worried about my studio floating away because we're supposed to get really <laughs> torrential rains and horrible winds. He gets real bad so, flooding where he's at, and he's got a lot of water. Yeah, so he's flooding really big time. Uh, there's, uh, by the way, just as a news break, there's a coastal flood warning in effect for the eastern coast of the United States from Maine to Florida. I've got, yeah, we're going to have real bad stuff here, too, in Florida. Yeah, so, so um, uh, everybody, if you're out there, be careful. Yes. Um, what else we got coming up? Okay, and then, of course, uh, Wednesday night, I got the premiere of my brand new show, Ring the Bell. We will have on Ring the Bell, we will have the technical advisor to the Iron Claw, the film clip you saw tonight from our sponsor at 824 Films. Uh, his name is James Beard. He was a technical advisor and family friend of the Von Erich family, the first family of Texas wrestling. He will be with us Wednesday night on the Pitbulls premiere episode of Ring the Bell. Yes. You ready for that one, kid? Oh, absolutely. Are you? What else we got coming up? Tell everyone <laughs> we got. Well, then on the 15th, we decided to go ahead and do the most notorious killer. We'll do the BTK killer then. And then the okay. 16th, we'll do the old time crime. Let me tell everybody what we got coming up. In two weeks, I will have, I will not mention the name until oh. next week. Right. But I have a, a Hollywood A-lister will be joining us. You will know his name. You will know his face for sure. Uh, joining us in two weeks. I haven't even told the Pitbull about this one. <laughs> we um, we will welcome back Country Music Hall of Famer Lacey yes. J. Dalton, the guy that brought us the Golden Girls, writer, producer, director, Mark Sotkin. He was also writer for uh, Laverne and Shirley, the Sinbad Show. Um, uh, got him, and, and 60 or 70 other programs that may or may not have made it at one time or another. <laughs> Uh, we will also be joined by Jim Fife once again. You remember him from The Frighteners with Michael J. Fox and from Dark Shadows. He played Willie Loomis. Or, uh, yeah, Willie Loomis mm -hmm. in Dark Shadows. Um, Milia, anything yeah. I'm missing over here? I want to look at? forward to having Brian on the 22nd. Yes, and, and Brian, of course, Brian Sponis will be here for his own show. Yes. The first in what we, uh, we believe will be many. Uh, Brian is January 26th, seven, I'm sorry, 22nd, 22nd, not the 26th, <laughs> January 22nd at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, 4 Pacific. Brian, we are looking forward to that show, my friend. And, uh, Can't wait myself. Getting to, know, Thank you. getting to know who Brian Saponis is. Looking forward to it. And we, as are we. I'll tell you what, yes. we really, really are. So, ladies and gentlemen... Beverly Randolph, thank you. Yes, thank, thank you. Rob Romanis, thank you so much, my friend. I want you back for sure. Yes. Jennifer Banco, there's a spot Jennifer. waiting for you, kid. <laughs> Brian, we'll see you. Glenn yes. Martin, thank you. This is the first of many shows, my friend. We will rerun this broadcast tomorrow night on all 3,400 of our stations worldwide. Yes. I welcome our newest station in Stuttgart, Germany. And thank you very much to WRM in Milan, Italy. Thank you so much. All right. Sure. Take care, everybody. Can, can I say one more thing? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Uh, can, can you mention my new podcast I'm going to be starting? Oh, go ahead. Oh, wait. I got a couple things to do. Let me. 
You know what? You just reminded me of something. Oh, okay. You just reminded yep. me of something. If any of my friends out there, my investor friends, what? would like to make money in the movie business or be a part of the film business, Glenn Martin is looking for investors for oh. his upcoming films. And you can reach him at the Glenn. Give them your uh, your uh, email address, your contact info. It is nightmarefilms at gmail.com. There you go. And Glenn, you can say whatever you want, brother. You got the floor. I have a new podcast, and I'm going to be uh, actually teaming up with Beverly. Here. Oh wow! Yeah, and it's called it's <laughs> it's called uh, Light Camera Horror. Horror. Oh Not wow! In horror. <laughs> so uh, we'll be speaking to uh, about uh, anything horror and other things. So you yeah. know, it's kind of like my uh, Let's Get Rocked. It's a comedy. So everything about horror, yes. but. It's mostly about horror. I gave him a great name for a podcast, and he shit all over it. <laughs> it was called Movies and More. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, yeah I, that's the problem when you got, like I told you, when you're on set, everybody's got their ideas. So you know, now like, that it's out there, it's now public domain. You can have Movies and More. Movies Run and with it. There you go. Right, there there you go. You. Watch it be a success. Yes. <laughs> on behalf. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Oh, no, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> on behalf of Amelia, the Pitbull Chapman, on behalf of Glenn Martin, Robert Romanus, Brian Saponis, Beverly Randolph, and Jennifer Banco, and a special thank you to Michael Perret, this is the Mad Dog. We will see you tomorrow night. Be good. Hey, God guys. bless everybody. We'll see you around. Bye. Bye. Bye.